Season eight. Who do you still hate saying that? Yes. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to Millennial Season Eight, Episode One. Happy New Year. Hello, Ooh. Laura. Hello, Pam. Hello. Hi. We have an eight-year-old now. We have an eight-year-old now. That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> Laura tweeted me, me and Pam. I can't remember on New Year's Eve. She was like, it sucks over here in 2022 since we have a three-hour time difference. I yeah. was like, yeah, I'm not coming over there. I was like, it's still shit. <laughs> I was like, thanks for the heads up. I'll plan accordingly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We started crying before the right, New Year exactly. started. Exactly. Virtually holding each other like, we don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go. Don't take me. Don't take me. Well, what has happened while we've been off? We've been off two weeks. It's felt like even longer, I think. Um, Elmo got in a fight with a rock. I was living for that clip. Like, oh I watched so it good. so many times. Did you watch all the clips? There was yeah, a like whole the, thread. You want a piece of me clip? Because that was really good, too. No, yeah. I haven't seen the other ones. Oh, the energy is exactly the energy I want to approach 2022 with. I mean, I never thought that I would see an image of Elmo just dead blank staring into the camera like Jim from The Office <laughs> because his friend is like, hold my rock's hand. And he's like, rocks don't have hands. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Like, There's been this ongoing feud between Elmo, Zoe, and The Rock. And it's fascinating. So I'll have to watch the rest of those clips. I, I sent that main one to my sister because she has two kids. And I was like, I hope Trey and Austin can learn something from this dark moment in Elmo's life. And she was like, oh, my God, that is Trey to a T with getting pissy over Austin's imagination. She was like, Sesame Street gets it. <laughs> so what else happened while we've been off? A new word game completely consumed Twitter. You two must have seen this by now. Wordle? Yeah. I did, but I haven't played it. Okay. I, I started just because I knew we were going to talk about it today. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a cute little word game. What people love about it is that you only get one new puzzle every day. Everybody's working with the same puzzle. And then when you tweet out your results, it doesn't hit you over the head with a link to go and play yourself. It's just like kind of this little code. And if you know, you know. So it's fun to see everybody's results and how they worked through the puzzle. I haven't tweeted it yet because I just I don't want to pile on. I also haven't tweeted it yet because I just feel like it's too much of a humble brag for me. It like makes me anxious. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll text you, know. you my results tomorrow. Pam. OK, I'll do the same. OK, great. That's <laughs> what I'm doing with Pat and my brother. We're just texting each other the yeah, results. That sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask a dumb question because um, I've definitely seen it. And I'm aware of what it is, but for, I, I would say maybe five seconds the other day, I was like, oh, maybe I should check Wordle out. And when I was like going on Twitter, messing with my account, I couldn't immediately figure out how to play this. And because I couldn't immediately figure out what I was supposed to do, I just gave <laughs> up and was like, I don't, yeah. I don't care Honestly, that much. I had to read like three different articles to like really get like a, a good set of rules because a lot of what was like coming up when I just Googled 
Wordle how to play was just like assuming that it like it just made sense automatically. And so like the first time I tried, it took me like 14 minutes just going like back and forth, like watching this one clip from the Today Show where they explain what the colors meant. (laughs) (laughs) Just like so dumb. But I mean, maybe I shouldn't have played so early in the morning. It was like six o'clock in the morning. I had coffee and I was like... I don't understand. <laughs> so what first these of all, mean. you play it online. There is not an app. There are ripoff apps already, and that is disgusting. Ah, and shame on those people. And shame yeah. on Apple and Google for not enforcing for taking care of these ripoffs. Uh, but you can only play it online. This guy, the story, the New York Times already did a piece on him. Long story short, he made this word puzzle for his partner, and it just went viral a couple weeks ago. And as everybody knows now. It's uh, everybody's tweeting out the results. And like I said, it's fun to see the results. And Laura, to Laura's point about like, I don't know how to actually play. I think that's why people like tweeting out the results and seeing everybody's results. Because like I said, it's not hitting you over the head with promotion to go and play Wordle right now. Click the link. You know, it's just like a code. Yeah. This is something we're going to look back on at the end of the year and be like, remember when everybody was obsessed with that game? What was it called? Squirtle, Turtle, Words? I was going to ask you that. Like, how long do you think this craze is going to last? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because I can't put my my finger quite on it, but I feel like at least maybe another month or two. Yeah, I guess when I take that question, I'm thinking, how long will people continue tweeting the results? Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) I'll say two months max. Two months max. I could see that, yeah. Have you guys also been seeing 10-year challenges pop up? I've seen a lot of people doing 2022 versus 2012. And I'm like, no, (laughs) we did this in 2020. Just hold off. Wait. Wait another eight years. Do it again in 2030. It'll be cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that for decades. You know, or like I liked I did like like 2009, 2019, because a lot of it was like retired emos, like showing how (laughs) they've like kept their style or changed their style. So I appreciated that. But for for like a normal year, like I don't think it's necessary either. I have seen some of those, but then other people are tweeting out their own 10 year challenges and it's just comparing the minimum wage at uh, 2011 and 2021, yes. and nothing has changed at 725. <laughs> it's uh, sad. It's sad. But the speaking of sad, something else that happened over the break was we lost a couple of very big names. Uh, Betty White, Sidney Poitier, and Harry Reid, the senator from Nevada, and Bob Saget died just this past Sunday. The Betty White one was, you know, really sad, of course. She died New Year's Eve. She got it out of the way. She didn't want to die in 2022. She said, you know what? I'm not going to ruin their new year. I'm just going to get it over with before the clock hits midnight. Um, But what's interesting about this is that, Pam, you actually told us Betty was going to make it to 2023 on our last episode. I was trying to, like, undrink your death sentence for Betty from last year. And I guess now I like semi cursed her accidentally but it was not my intention honestly i think and this is my head canon they had done all of this um there had been a lot of hubbub made of her coming up on her 100th birthday in january they had done this special like a night with betty white thing that i saw previews for when we went to see spider-man and it was like you could buy tickets to come to the theater to see that thing there was a whole people magazine um cover shoot done with her that was coming out i think the next day the day after she died 
and then she dies. I feel like it's the height of comedy. I feel like if anyone was going to choose to leave on that note, it would be Betty White. And I respect it. Yeah. I respect it. And I think we got to give her the hundred years anyway. I mean, come on. She she's close enough. And how many leap years did she live through? Exactly. I saw people make that point. Yeah. We'll give it to her. And, you know, she it's it is sad, but I guess you would maybe call it more bittersweet. She lived a good long life. Yeah, so those deaths occurred. And of course, this happens every year. People die at the beginning of the year, and everybody's like, well, that's it for the year. The new year sucks already. And I find that interesting because it's as if the calendar turning over is supposed to temporarily prevent everyone's clocks from ticking. And like, we're supposed to have one good month just because the calendar changed over. (laughs) We need to step off that mindset that like, you know, we're entering a new year and things are going to be good for at least a little while. Right. And we can't be like, well, the year sucks already every year. I mean, come on, let's move on from this already. I think it's it's like especially easy for people to say that one because it's kind of like an overdone joke, but also because, you know, January gloom is very real and there's not very much to look forward to within the first like quarter of the year in general and so i just think that like that attitude is almost kind of really looking for something to be pessimistic about because there's not much to be excited for which is unfortunate but yeah so also over the break i went home for christmas i didn't go home last year for christmas so this was uh an exciting christmas for me and heading there i had the perfect travel day airport wasn't crowded Everything was on time. Flight took off on time. Uh, I had a whole row to myself on the plane. That's a miracle. Three to four days before Christmas. Great smooth flight. I was uh, switching between the aisle seat and the window seat. I was having a couple beers. I was getting some work done. I was having a ball on the plane. I get off the plane. I get my bag real quick. I get my rental car real quick. I was like, oh, chef's kiss. Perfect travel day. I could not have asked for a better travel day. I call my mom. Hey, mom, I'm on my way. Okay, great. Um, We just found out that your sister has COVID. Oh, no. My God. I was like, damn it. Perfect travel day ruined. And so did you still go? Well, that's the thing that frustrated me. I was like, could she have just tested one day sooner? And then I wouldn't have flown home. I just would have gone home Christmas or sorry, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Yes, I still went home. I went right into the eye of the storm. Did you go in like (laughs) guns blazing and by guns blazing, I mean like with a mask on? Well, so, so I wasn't going to my sister's home. I went to my parents' home. I didn't touch my parents. We didn't hug. Um, We kind of kept our distance that first night. But then we got a couple of COVID tests. Randy, my sister's husband, tested negative. The kids tested negative. Ryan tested negative. My mom and dad, everybody tested negative. It was only Becca who had it. And at this point, she was quarantining in the house herself. She was in her house by herself over Christmas, which just totally sucks. But then December 27th, and this is day five of Becca's quarantine, The CDC issues this new guidance, and I'm going to quote the CDC now. People with COVID should now isolate for five days. This was down from 10. And if they are asymptomatic or their symptoms are resolving without fever for 24 hours, follow that by five days of wearing a mask. So this was surprising news. If you had COVID, 
five days could pass. And if you no longer had symptoms, you could go out into the world again. You could see people again. So Becca and Randy were very excited about this new guidance. So uh, Becca tested negative for COVID at the end of that five-day window. She didn't have any symptoms other than no longer being able to smell. And we ended up hanging out with her on December 27th (laughs) without masks on. And guess what? I didn't get COVID. So maybe the CDC guidance isn't too off. But um, I know this has been very controversial. I think, Laura, you're not really a fan of this new guidance. So here's the thing. Americans are stupid. (laughs) And it's not necessarily that I think this guidance doesn't have its place. I think for certain people like your sister, she's an educator, right? She is an informed person. She is not playing fast and loose with COVID. But for the people who do and who can't follow directions, how many people do you think would look at this and be like, oh, well, I'm on day four and I don't feel any symptoms. So like, I'm just going to go to that party or I'm going to go hang out with my family. Now, Mark brought up a really good point when I was complaining about this, because you can rest assured I was complaining about it over the break. (laughs) Um, He was like, listen. The guidelines that come from the CDC are for the people who follow the guidelines. The people who were already not taking COVID seriously are not going to change their approach just because the CDC came out with new guidance. I was like, yes, that's true. But it all feels like a symptom of the larger problem, which is that There is no federal requirement for your job to continue paying you if you're homesick with COVID. So they're just trying to get the economy going. And it just feels like, I mean, this is not the CDC's fault that there are larger systemic issues that make this environment possible. But it just feels like an admission that we are willing to force certain industries to continue working even if they are sick, just to keep things going, to keep the economy strong. And of course, we know Democrats want a strong economy to run on in the midterms this year. So there's just a lot about this that's frustrating, a lot about it that's frustrating that is not the CDC's fault. But I found myself feeling really frustrated by the new guidance. And then they updated the guidance a few days after this because people were confused. There's been major messaging problems within the CDC. And I saw some speculation that the White House is trying to separate themselves from the CDC. They want the CDC to operate independently. And that's good. Yeah. But that comes at the risk of trusting the CDC to get the messaging right. And so far, they haven't been able to do that. I... 100% agree with Laura. And I actually have like a story from my own life that kind of aligns with this. And it's that I know somebody who's um, the whose place of work has now changed their uh, the way that they accrue like employees accrue sick hours. Um, instead of just getting them right off the bat, you can only like it always has been done. They changed it this year to that you have to accrue them as you work. And there was an incident where somebody that was very new 
contracted COVID and they did not have the sick hours, couldn't afford to not work. So they came into work sick and then the whole um, location had to shut down and one person at least got sick because this person felt like they needed to come in. So messed up. Yeah, exactly. So like, but you're seeing a lot of changes, like not just what the CDC is laying out, but just like, you know, what employers are laying out as a direct result of, you know, having to be forced to pay employees not to come in to work if they're sick, but at the expense of what, you know, like you're affecting other people's livelihoods and, and also other people's safety and the safety of their loved ones. So it's just messed up all around. Yeah. So the CDC said the reason they made this change is motivated by science demonstrating that the majority of COVID transmission occurs early in the course of illness, generally in the one to two days prior to onset of symptoms and the two to three days after. Something else we haven't mentioned yet, I don't think, is that cases have just absolutely skyrocketed in America. The the daily numbers are numbers I don't think we ever would have fathomed happening at this point in the pandemic. But that's how uh, pervasive Omicron is. And Laura, you mentioned they want to keep the economy going. The government wants to keep the economy going. The other thing was, with so many cases, flights, for example, were being canceled left and right because airline crews were having to isolate for 10 days after they came down with COVID. I think they also adjusted the guidance to kind of keep the rest of the country moving as well. This is obviously much more low stakes, but you're even seeing this like on an entertainment level. Like there are a couple of late night show hosts that have had to cancel shows now because they've gotten sick. Like James Corden was the latest I heard of. And I believe that Seth Meyers also had to cancel shows, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I think Um, Fallon, too. And Fallon as well. Um, And that's just like, you know, again, a byproduct and and a very much more like low stakes scenario of uh, these studios wanting to get audiences back in for live shows quicker than like they probably should. So, right. Yeah. And I think it's worth pointing out that there's no there's no ideal perfect solution here, because unfortunately, this country is never going to do a nationwide lockdown, um, even though doing so would really help curb the spread of COVID. It's never going to happen. You may have states, cities, localities that do these kinds of things. You may have certain establishments that require masking, but you're never going to get everybody on the same page. So it leaves me to wonder then what is an entity like the CDC to do when there's just no possible way of getting this entire country on the same page about, you know, precautions, about vaccines, about science. There, there is a degree to which I feel like the attitude is like, okay, well, this is the reality we live in. So now we're just going to have to figure out how to fucking live with it. Yeah. It's really frustrating. Yeah, because there are many forces who are trying to be anti-mask and anti-vaccine. And how do you mm-hmm. get out in front of those types of people and convince them otherwise? You can't at this point. You just can't. So we just have to deal with these rising case numbers and everybody has to protect themselves however they want. We're just stuck riding it out. That's really all it comes down to. Now, of course, we also have to admit that like other countries really you know, they're dealing with the same problems. You look at the daily case numbers overseas and that's the same exact 
skyrocketing data chart Mm -hmm. that you see here in the U.S. And again, it comes back to Omicron being just that pervasive. The good news is the vaccines are still working. People are still getting sick, of course. Far less people are ending up hospitalized than you would have expected. I mean, just imagine Omicron last year, this time last year, without the vaccines. That would have been terrifying. Yeah. Well, especially considering if you, you know, speak to any healthcare professional um, who's working in a COVID environment right now, they will tell you that the vast majority of COVID ICU cases are amongst unvaccinated people. And on the off chance that a vaccinated person is admitted to the hospital with COVID, their symptoms are mild by comparison. The vaccines work. But yeah. we all know this. So. <laughs> I know. And it's just, I've really, I'm, I've gotten to the point, you know, early on, I was more willing to engage with people who were like on the fence, still trying to figure it out. I'm like, if you haven't fucking figured it out at this point, I don't want to talk to you about the vaccine. Yeah. Just stay away from There's me. no point. Don't waste your breath. <laughs> um, one final thing I'll add is that yesterday I found out now my brother has COVID. We don't know if he got oh, it from Becca, God. but yeah. And Has of he course, been boosted? Yeah, he got the Johnson okay. & Johnson booster, well, though. I'm like, oh, you know, Darren, I don't know. He should have mixed and matched, but I guess I that's know. his prerogative. Oh, well. Which one did you get, Pam, for the I booster? I got the Pfizer. Okay. That was all I could find. I was just, oh. I was not being picky. Honestly, I didn't really go in with like a set idea, but oh, it was okay. really hard to find an appointment. After I got- um, s- After Thanksgiving. Okay. After I got stuck at home in New Jersey, of course, we started scrambling to get COVID tests and I got kind of addicted to like finding them. It's kind of like a fun little goose chase. And I have quite a few COVID tests right Do now. Do you? Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> I have like eight. Y'all. It's, yeah, no, so- we struggle too. And I finally found a, a, a grocery store around my area that, that had them for $15 each yesterday. And I ran over and mm. picked up two because i figured that it was like i didn't want to be greedy and hoard but i figured like two was a a good place to start yeah 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 before the holidays we really wanted to get our hands on some tests too to make sure that we weren't going around our families exposed to covid mark had to drive around the atlanta metro area for like three hours to a bunch of different cvs's to find covid tests he did find some um and you know, we didn't have any problems after that. But honestly, y'all, what I'm starting to do is I am starting to just book myself routine PCR tests Oh, every like few weeks because I wanted to go get a PCR after the holidays. But guess what? The earliest one I could get was for the fucking 16th. I tried booking this back on like December 30th. Isn't it amazing that this is season yeah. three of COVID and it's still not easy to get tested? Yeah. That's mind boggling. It is. So this is my approach. I'm just going to start booking extremely early for regular testing so that hopefully if I end up catching it, I can, you know, mm. catch it when I get tested. Yeah. Also, like, just before we wrap this part up. Get your flu shot if you haven't yet, yes. because winter is still here and like they're going to be harder and harder to get as we see more people, you know, coming in with cases of Corona and the flu. So if you can, you should get that done. Yeah. Costco has them 
too. If you're like a Costco member, I hear it's really easy to go in and grab them from there as well. Yep. If you can't make appointments at like your doctor's office or CVS or Safeway. And also Costco does not require you to be a member to use yes. their pharmacy. Yes. And you can get oh, a flu shot that. there for $20, uh-huh. even if you don't have insurance. Right. And a bo- you can get your booster there as well. Like mm-hmm. any shot, like all of their um, shots you don't need a membership for. By the way, Meg, who's listening live right now, says, wait, you have to pay for flu shots in America. If you're, if you're insured, you shouldn't have to pay. No. Yeah. Depends on your insurance. If you have really shitty insurance that doesn't cover pharmacy, which is usually how a flu shot gets coded, um, then you could still be in that uh, circumstance. But if you don't have insurance, then yes. Um, Unless you happen to find a free clinic or mm-hmm. something like that. Also, yeah. if your copay is like higher than 20 bucks, might as well haul ass over to Costco and pay a little less. So, and you'll get some free food samples there too. Hey, yeah. <laughs> also, you can go and get that. What is it? The the special they have. It's like a hot dog and a soda for a dollar fifty. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I haven't had their hot dog, but uh, they make a mean pizza. Ten dollar pizza. It's it's mm. all a good deal at Costco. It really is. Obsessed. We're going to talk about New Year's resolutions here in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor, Talkspace. The new year feels like the perfect time to refocus on what we want in life. But it's easy to get stuck looking back on all the resolutions we didn't keep last year. I have a spotty track record of keeping up with resolutions myself. So if you've ever had a resolution fall by the wayside, believe me, I feel you. Therapy has been so valuable to me when it comes to setting attainable goals and knowing when to refine my goals to achieve what I'm looking for. In this era of work from home and digital learning, it's so convenient to be able to match with a licensed therapist from the comfort of your own smartphone or tablet. This is where Talkspace really shines. Talkspace fits your schedule. No more needing to wait for weekend therapy appointments or squeezing in sessions after a long day at work. You can text your therapist 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. And with video and audio sessions, you can easily fit mental health care into your daily routine. Make your mental health more than just another New Year's resolution with Talkspace. Visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code M-I-L-L at sign up. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com when you use promo code M-I-L-L. So let's talk about New Year's resolutions, continuing our New Year's theme here on the Season 8 premiere. And I was looking through some of our notes from last year around this time. And Laura, apparently your resolution for 2021 was nothing. No resolution. No. She just put up a middle finger. Yeah. No, (laughs) I was so done at that point. I felt like the fact that I survived 2020, that I managed not to get COVID, and that I managed to like keep my mental health kind of hanging on, I felt like that was enough and I didn't need to put any more burden on myself. So I did not have any resolutions in 2021. Yeah, okay. I couldn't find mine and Pam's. I may have said something about reading more and I definitely failed in that department. If if that wasn't last year's New Year's resolution, it was two years ago. Either way, I failed. Uh and I'm I'm embarrassed by that. We'll talk about that more in a moment. So we'll talk about this year's res- resolutions if we have any. But first I heard a really good New Year's resolution on CNN during their midnight 
events. This was when Don Lemon was anchoring. This was when Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen were finished. So this was Don Lemon down in New Orleans with a couple of co-hosts. You know what my, no, what my resolution is? Yeah. For 2022? Yes. No more broke dick, okay? No more what? No more broke dick. No more penis from a man that has <laughs> no money. Did you say broke dick? Yeah. Oh. But it's always good. That's the problem. Wow. Can I say that on TV? Is that okay? That was live on CNN. <laughs> CNN, I mean, gives no fucks on New Year's Eve. And they really I don't love it. Everyone's drunk. So who wants to start? Laura, why don't we start with you? You had no resolution last year. What's your resolution yeah. this year? Um, I want to do a better job of managing my stress levels. Um, Mark can tell you that I'm a little bit of an anxious person. So I have the bad habit of sort of like spinning things in my head to imagine the worst possible outcome over things that are just not that big of a deal. Um, So if I'm like really not looking forward to something, I'll be like, okay, but what if like, what if I get there and then this happens? And then because that happened, what if this happens? And I'll just like let my mind spin me. to the point where I'm like super worked up about something that I don't need to be worked up about. So I want to try to work on that because I know that it'll make me happier in the long run. Yeah, I like that. Do you have any like specific plans for taking care of that? I need to, honestly, I need to talk it out when I'm in situations like that. Um, I'm sure like as someone who's experienced stress before, you've been in a situation where you were stressed about something, but you were so stressed about it that you couldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And half the time, just talking it through with someone that you trust is really helpful in like zooming out and realizing that it's not a huge deal. Or if maybe it is kind of a big deal, there are things that you can do to mitigate your stress in the meantime. So I want to be more communicative with the people in my life when I'm feeling stressed. And I think that will help. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll do like a mid-year report. maybe. (laughs) You should, because actually we're going to get some New Year's resolutions from our listeners in a few moments. And we're going to be holding people accountable this year. I'm really excited about this. Pam, what's your resolution for the year? Well, I guess I'm uh, trying to adopt one that you had already mentioned before, but mine is to read more. I feel like there was something about last year that wasn't really making me very motivated to pick up actual books. So I'm trying to remedy that. And I don't really have like a set amount of books that I'm trying to read for the year because I'm trying to keep it low pressure. But but I'm just like making it a goal to to pick up a physical book more than I did in 2021. What do you think your cadence will be like nightly, a few times so a this, week? So this kind of ties into my recommendation for the week, which is to start a book club with a friend or a few. Um, so I've already picked out my first book, which is a book that a friend of mine has been begging me to read for a while now. And we're just going to do a little buddy read. And I've committed to three chapters a week. It's just like homework in grade oh. school, you know, and I feel like uh-huh. that's pretty like it's very attainable. Yeah. And it's very low pressure because if I want to read more, then it's okay. Um, but yeah, I think that sometimes just like reading with somebody else 
can be super helpful because you have a reason to keep going or to at least try. Yeah. Yeah. Just like with a lot of goals, it's helpful to have somebody who's also pursuing the same goal because you mm-hmm. both are holding each other accountable. What's the book? I'm sure our listeners want to oh, know. Oh, it's, uh, it's A Court of Thorns and Roses, which I know that uh, quite a few people will probably be familiar with. And it's by Sarah J. I can't even remember if it's pronounced Moss. Mass or Moss. Oh. Yeah. So it's going to be adopted soon. And my friend has been begging me to read it since before the adaptation was even on the table. And I just feel like it's time. And she like sent me a big nudge because she sent me the first two books for Christmas this year. Aww. So now I have like no excuse. Guilt tripping That's you. Sweet. Yeah, exactly. She was just <laughs> like, you need to read them. And I was like, okay, like, let's do it. Let's let's buddy read and, and we can just like power through the first one. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. My resolution, it's more of a theme. It's focus and just simplifying things. And the reason I have this one is because for the past five or six years, I've been juggling a couple of massive ongoing jobs, those being Hypable, which winded down last year, and podcasting and everything that comes along with that. Um, And with podcasting, I've also been working for other podcasts and consulting on Patreon. So I've been very busy with those two pillars, so to speak. And over the last year, I've actually also been working on a third big project that I'm going to share with the audience in a few months. And these two don't know it yet either, but I'm very excited to share it. It'll be... What? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe be, you haven't told us yet. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> everything for the show. But I feel like I'm going to have to tell you guys before it's on the show. So I'm like, damn it. But I thought... Well, I guess anyway. we can record our reactions while you tell us <laughs> and you can like roll the, the tape. Oh, no. Maybe I'm setting the bar too high. Don't, don't think too, too big. But so now with Hypable closing and this new project coming to an end, at least the bulk of the work coming to an end, the theme this year is just focusing more on podcasting and consulting on Patreon and and working with other people on their podcasts. And to me, that's all under my podcast umbrella. So this year, it's about no more having multiple massive ongoing projects at the same time, because it just feels chaotic. And by focusing more, I just get to spend more time on, you know, this world of podcasting, which is exactly where I want to be. And I'm not going to be resting on my laurels. I'm still going to be trying to pick up new podcasting work. Um, but really, I'm just like all in on on podcast stuff and Patreon. So... So it feels good. It feels good. Like this last year kind of felt like a year of transition. And now I'm like, ah, okay. I had a question for ourselves, like, how will we hold ourselves accountable? And I think we've been answering that here. But with mine being more of a theme instead of like a traditional resolution and it already being in progress, I I personally think I'm already holding myself accountable. And I also am striving to read more. (laughs) I really am trying. But actually, we'll talk about this more in After Dark today. Laura, what are we talking about in After Dark today, by the way? We're talking about failed New Year's resolutions. So if you're listening to us set our lofty goals for 2022 and thinking to yourself, oh, God, I suck at keeping my New Year's resolutions. Don't worry. So do we. And we're going to talk all about it in After Dark. Yeah. I was just talking about being overwhelmed in my work life. I'm going to talk (laughs) about being overwhelmed in my personal entertainment life. That's half the problem when it comes to reading. Um, But we'll get there in on our Patreon today. So 
A few weeks ago, and on our social media, we also introduced this new ongoing segment for the rest of 2022 called Millennials Make a Commitment. Just pull that name out of my ass. So we asked listeners to send us their resolutions, and we're going to be reading all of them on the show to hold you accountable and to help motivate you. Because if we're saying it on air, you know, we're kind of solidifying it. We're putting it into a podcast. It's going to exist permanently, digitally, but permanently in this digital form. So we've gotten a bunch of responses already, and thank you to everybody who submitted We're not going to read all of them today, but over the course of the next few weeks and months, we will get to all of them, and then maybe we'll try to revisit these towards the end of the year. And it's not too late, by the way, to submit your own commitment. We'll have a link in the show notes and again on social media. So I'm just going to go in order of when they were submitted. I thought that would be fairest for everybody. Um, Rachel said, I'm hoping to read 40 books in 2022. Pam, do you think you can do 40 in 2022? That's more than two books a month. And... No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, you know, last, I think I might like revive my Goodreads and I'll get back to you on how many books I do end up reading because that's a really easy way to keep track of just everything that you've finished and what you've liked and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I feel like everybody knows about Goodreads at this point, but if you don't, you're looking to read more, then that's a really good resource for, for tracking your progress and stuff like that. Katie said, getting my driver's license by the end of the year when I'll be 31. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Love that freedom. Kayla said, focus on my mental health. So Laura's in the same boat as you there. I mean, of course, we're all always working on it, but yeah. Yeah. Veronica said, start a savings account to buy a house. That's fun. So I guess she'll be putting, yeah, maybe a little money in it as often as she can. And Juliana said, run the Chicago Marathon and travel to Finland to meet my best friends. That's a big year. To meet my best friend. It sounds like she's best friends with somebody who she hasn't met before. That's That sounds like us, Laura and Pam. I know. I was going to say that's like all of us. <laughs> Juliana, do you, do you podcast? <laughs> Maybe they're person? fandom friends. Yeah, that'd be Maybe. cute. That's so cute. And uh, I'll include one more since she's listening live. Sarah said, letting go of the relationship I thought I wanted with my parents and healing from that loss. I went no contact in October and it's been heartbreaking. I'm committed to being the kinder voice to myself and kinder to others. That's That's so good for you. Radical acceptance, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of you for putting up some healthy boundaries, by the way. That's really good. And Sarah, you are a very kind person. I met Sarah in person a few months ago and can confirm she is kind. So we will get to many more. But like I said, we will have uh, a link in the show notes if you want to submit your own. And we'll have a link on social media as well. Good luck, everybody. And like Laura mentioned, we will be talking about failed New Year's resolutions on our Patreon today, patreon.com slash millennial. Now time for a word from a new sponsor. And this is a really helpful one. We are excited to tell you about our latest sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Surfshark keeps your online identity safe by encrypting all of the information sent between your device and the internet. This keeps your personal data protected from big companies or cyber criminals. And this is an excellent way to increase your online security. No one will be able to track or steal your data. 
It's also essential for when you're on public Wi-Fi so that nobody can snoop on your internet activity. Starbucks Wi-Fi, for example, you might notice that it doesn't have a lock next to it when you click it. That's public Wi-Fi. And someone could potentially watch what's coming through the digital air since it's not a locked network. You can protect yourself by going through Surfshark. And as if that weren't enough of a reason to use them, Surfshark lets you virtually travel around the world so you can pretend you and your computer are in a different city or country. They have thousands of servers to connect to in over 65 countries. So you might be asking, why would I care to do this? Well, and this is one of the best benefits, you can watch streaming content that's only available in other countries. So you can go to Netflix in the UK, or if you're outside of the US, you can access Netflix's US library. This is your chance to finally watch all the international content you've been hoping to catch. Maybe thanks to Millennial or somewhere else, you've heard of a show or movie that's on a streaming platform, but you can't access it in your country. Well, now you can, so long as you have a subscription to that platform. This is also amazing for when you travel. So if you go abroad, you can still keep up with all your shows at home. I want you to try this out. This is a total game changer. Go to surfshark.deals slash M-I-L-L and use our code M-I-L-L to get 83% off plus three extra months for free. Surfshark also has a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there is no risk. Give it a try. Download Surfshark. Pick an international country. Then check out Netflix or another streamer. You're going to think this is so cool. Once again, that's surfshark.deals slash M-I-L-L, surfshark.deals slash M-I-L-L. So start of a new year means that there are also some new rules to take into account. Uh, specifically, a lot of new laws end up going to effect on the first of every year. And it's always kind of fun to talk about those and see what's changing for the good or sometimes for the worst. And to kick things off, I wanted to ask you guys if there are any new laws that have gone into effect that have kind of started affecting you already, or if they're just something that you're kind of like keeping an eye on. Yeah, I want to talk about um, Senate Bill 80 here in Georgia. It's the Ensuring Transparency in Prior Authorization Act. Um, has anyone here ever had to go to the doctor for any kind of urgent procedure that maybe you weren't anticipating, something outside of a yearly physical routine exam, and then months later been continuing to receive bills from various doctors and technicians? That's what this act is intended to combat. Um, so here in Georgia... Uh, SB 80 will require insurance companies to decide whether or not to cover an urgent procedure claim within 72 hours of request. All other claims must be decided within 15 days, meaning they can't take months and months to decide whether or not they're going to cover something. They have to let you know within that period of time. In 2023, that is going to go down to seven days for them to turn around a decision. Um, the law says that prior authorization also is not allowed for emergency services or emergency transport. Believe it or not, insurance companies 
are not the most uh, moral <laughs> entities in this world. And they will try to do things like tell you you needed prior authorization for your ambulance ride to the hospital as though you would plan such a thing. Um, the law also requires insurers to publish their prior authorization requirements and give a clinical reason why a service is being denied. They must also publish yearly reports about the number of approvals, denials, and reasons for denials, plus the outcomes of appeals. So this is great news here in Georgia for anyone who has ever been on the receiving end of getting bills months and months later after having an urgent procedure done. Yeah, this is seriously awesome. And sounds Mm -hmm. like something that should be nationally mandated. Right? Yeah. It also sounds like it would probably help with a lot of times when emergencies come up, people are so hesitant to go seek help because they're so worried about something like this happening. And a lot of times, you know, every minute counts for certain ailments. And so I can also see how this will also be giving a lot of people a peace of mind in terms of feeling like they can go get the help that they need when problems arise. It's so sad that we're in a situation in this country where people have to weigh out the pros and cons over whether or not to like, go get stitches or like seek assistance for like burns and like everyday things, but also more serious things. Right. Or when people are in a situation where they have to consider calling an Uber to go to the emergency room because they're not sure if their ambulance ride is going to be covered or if they can afford it. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the people of Georgia will be resting a little easier, yourself included, Laura. (laughs) So here in Nevada, there were two election laws that stood out to me. One replaces the state's presidential caucuses with primaries and attempts to put Nevada at the head of the primary calendar ahead of Iowa and New Hampshire. And I think I may have mentioned this last year at some point that this was in the works. We don't know for sure if now Nevada is going to be first in the nation to vote during the caucuses and primaries, Um, but they're trying to be that state. But of course, you know what's going to happen. Iowa and New Hampshire enjoy being first and second. So now there's going to be this pissing match over who gets to go first. It's a whole big deal. There's a lot of media attention. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Nevada is making a play to be first in the nation. And then the second election bill, and this is one that everybody here on the panel and listening is going to be excited by, uh, makes mail-in voting permanent. During 2020, they did uh, send a ballot out to everybody in Nevada, and that was great, but it wasn't a permanent move. So now it's the law of the land here in Nevada, and we'll be getting a mail-in ballot every election now. That's super cool. I love that. I wish we would do that here. Yeah. (laughs) I wish we'd do that everywhere. Right. I know. It's not going to happen, though. Too many Republicans don't like that. Yeah. Even though it didn't why. really help Biden, like it did, but it didn't it didn't help Biden as much as Republicans thought it would, I don't think. No, I mean, also, when you consider the demographics that typically vote mail in, like, I don't know. I don't know that there was that much of a switch. I mean, obviously, a lot more people voted from home because of the pandemic, but that's an outlier, or at least we were hoping it would be. God knows how long, how many elections we're going to be in a pandemic for. Right. Um, but I think that this should be the law of the land. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
maybe one day. Republicans embrace mail-in voting. Encourage your constituents to vote by mail, just like the Democrats do. And then it won't feel as uneven. And don't listen to Trump, of course. He hated mail-in voting. (laughs) He was going to hate anything that told him that he was not going to win. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Well, out here in California, the state is still trying to do its best to, you know, be more savvy when it comes to taking care of the environment. And one of the ways that they're doing that is by requiring mandatory composting for residents and also businesses. Um, So not all counties put this into effect on January 1st, but my county was definitely one that started this process right at the beginning of the new year. Fines are going to start being issued in 2024. So we still have a little bit of a grace period to get used to this, but it has been kind of a bit of a learning curve uh, for me at home. Not so much out in the city because San Francisco for a very long time has always had like the three bucket systems. So anytime you visit the city, you'll see, you know, one can for trash, one can for recycling and one trash, uh, one can for composting. Um, and, and then just like, you know, learning how to separate compost from just regular trash at home is, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but it has been kind of interesting to just like try and remember. And it's kind of surprising, like how much can go into compost. Like, for example, that's good. Like the the coffee grounds, like if you're using a filter, like the whole filter can go in and not just the grounds, which is nice. But it's also like you wouldn't think paper would decompose, but I guess it does. Right. Um, and then in a little bit of like related news, they're kind of expanding this whole like single use straw situation that's been happening for a while now where you have to like ask for a straw if you want one anytime you you place an order to go. So in relation to that, you'll now have to start asking for single-use silverware and also single-use condom and packages. So just make sure you're asking for that ketchup when you go to, you know, in and out <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you said in and out because I love this new rule because I get in and out every Sunday. I'm not in California, but they give you the single-use utensils, whether or not you ask for them. And I don't want this. When they and and now I've got a pile of them. Yeah. Sometimes you get them on like Dunkin' too, and I feel guilty not using them, but I also feel guilty using them. So I I I hate this too, but if I do get them, I just stick them in my car in case I'm with somebody that happens to need one or I end up forgetting something. So Yeah. Yeah. Not in the glove compartment, but in that little like arm compartment, right by the driver's seat. Yeah, I just stick them all in there. Pam, do you think California will ever reach a point where in order to get single use plastics like straws and utensils or, um, you know, condiments that you'll have to pay for them? Kind of like some some places make you pay for a bag at the grocery store if you don't bring your own bag. Mm -hmm. I've never personally thought about that, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Um. At the same time, I also kind of feel like it's a little bit exclusionary, um, especially since like um, homelessness, for example, is a really huge problem across the state. So then to like deny somebody, you know, um, a utensil because they can't afford it. Yeah. Seems kind of really messed up. You can't have a fork. Right. Exactly. Like just eat it with your bare hands. It just seems like very inhumane to do that. And I know... Um, to this point, there's been a lot of talk as well about how people with certain disabilities actually 
really rely on single use straws to be able to consume outside of their homes. And I totally think that that is like an area where we just need to get better about figuring out an alternative that isn't going to, you know, be unusable to somebody that maybe needs something that is of plastic consistency, but also isn't made of a material that, you know, a lot of people maybe have an allergic reaction to. So there's still science that needs to be done and still like ways that this can definitely be improved. Um, But overall, I, I kind of understand why the state is looking to move in this direction and to lead by example for other states as well. Yeah, it'll be another like 50 years before that happens out here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'll just uh, I'll live vicariously through you, Pam. Yeah, this <laughs> know, is right? great, though. I'm, I'm happy for California. This is this is something that's always bugged me. And I'm seeing I'm glad to see at least one state trying to do something about it. How about any like new laws going into effect on the main stage? Is there anything that you both are keeping an eye on going forward? Uh, well, 21 states saw minimum wage increases as of January 1st of this year, which is, you know, a move in the right direction. However, when you look at the chart of the minimum wage increases in these states, it's not uh, it's not $15 an hour. Um, however, a lot of or several of these states are raising their minimum wage incrementally to reach that $15 an hour uh, minimum wage by like 2025, 2026. So it is positive momentum. It's not as much as we would hope to see, um, but it certainly beats the alternative, which is no increase. Yeah. Also, I saw that in Illinois, students can now take up to five mental health days per year. And when you take a mental health day, you will not be required to provide schools with a doctor's note and you will be able to make up any work that you miss. So I thought that was a really nice win for mental health, of course. And I just love that you're going to be able to make up any work and you don't have to provide a doctor's note. You can just be like, taking a mental health day. Peace. And that's it. That, yeah, that is really great. It's the way it should be. I know that out here too, and and I think it might be the case in a few other states, they've actually like changed the the earliest time that students have to be required to start school because they, they're not realizing that, you know, growing children need more rest especially mm. like in their early teens and then in their teenage years and middle school and high school and stuff. I think all of that is really great. Hopefully it helps. Yeah. I still have vivid memories of getting up at 6 a.m. Oh my gosh, <laughs> me too. That sticks with you. That builds character. <laughs> yeah. And then if you live in like a cold climate, just like being extremely oh cold <laughs> trying that to too. get to school. Standing outside yeah. waiting for the bus, being mm-hmm. absolutely freezing before the sun yeah. is up. Ugh. Or like having, because my mom always drove me to school. And so what she would do is in the morning, she'd go out and turn the car on and turn the heat up so that the car would have time to heat up before we got in it. That's really nice of your mom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like some mornings, you know, there would, everything would be frosted over. There might be some ice. So it would take some time to, you know, be able to get comfortably in the car. Yeah. I lived in a neighborhood with a lot of kids. And so for a while when nobody could drive, my mom and this other mom would alternate carpooling. So that, you know, everybody could kind of go together. And then when as we got older, it was like 
if I was driving, then like every every man for himself, so to speak, or like if I couldn't drive that day, then I would just have to like hitch a ride with like one of the older kids and stuff. But like they give no fucks. Like senior boys do not care. <laughs> They're just like <laughs> feeling out of the driveway. <laughs> yeah. And just something to keep an eye on. It It's not something that has happened yet. Um, but Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that Martin Luther King Day, which is on the 17th of January this year, um, is the deadline to either pass voting rights legislation or consider revising filibuster rules in the Senate. Um, our Senate is currently kind of prevented from doing anything um, because Senate rules require 60 votes in order to advance legislation to a floor debate. And we're currently at a 50-50 split in the Senate. And uh, we're at a point where, um, you know, Republicans are just stonewalling any kind of Democratic agenda. Uh, The Republican Party is... um, uniformly against any kind of advancement of voting rights legislation. Um, So this is something that Schumer has said, but we know that, you know, Manchin and Cinema, who are our two, um, how shall we say? Fake Democrats. Fake Democrats. Some people are calling them dinos, Democrat in name only. Mm. Um. (laughs) I don't see how this happens, but Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris actually came to Atlanta today and Biden gave an impassioned speech um, coming out in favor of changing the Senate rules. And I appreciate that and all, but I can't help but wonder if it's too late (laughs) and really wish he had done this sooner. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> just gotten it over with by this point. McConnell's been throwing a fit. I've read some of his threats. Oh, He's going to yeah. be going nuclear if they try to abolish the filibuster. He always threatens to go nuclear. But this is well. All this right, is let's my test thing. it. <laughs> yeah. So this is my thing, and this is what pisses me off about Democrats. I'm going to say this really quickly, and then I'll shut up. Democrats are like the party of "Don't hurt me," mm. and it's like they're going to do what they say they're going to do, regardless. Of if you do anything to try and fight back. So fight back. Yeah. They don't have a spine. There's yeah. no spine. It's It makes really me sad. insane. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's that's a great point. I can't wait. I'm 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 looking for a fight. I want to see this fight. Come on. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do it, Schumer. Oh my god. I don't know. Does Schumer seem like someone who's up to a fight? Well, I does McConnell oh, up for a fight I mean, to you. McConnell's like a maniacal game master, though. He just he he gets his caucus into shape every damn time. It's mm-hmm. something honestly Democrats could learn from him. Yeah, he's very effective at it. Finally, I popped over into our Facebook group, which everybody can join to ask if anybody wanted to share what new laws were going into effect where they live. And I would recommend going over to check that post out because we got so many comments. And uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. I just pulled out a few that I thought were pretty interesting. So the first one here comes from Sarah M who says in Ohio, it's always been if you're a server, you can't serve alcohol until you're 19. They've apparently changed that this year to you have to be 18 to serve alcohol. Hmm. 
So that's kind of fun. Hopefully that means that there's more work for, you know, somebody that's a little bit younger. Yeah. Uh, Meg, who I believe is listening live, says that in Ontario, Canada, they have a couple of new laws that she's been keeping an eye on. Firstly, she says, we're doing a staycation tax credit, presumably to encourage us to vacation closer to home this year. And then also points out that the Working for Workers Act was passed, which requires businesses with 25 plus employees to have a written policy about an employee's right to disconnect after work hours. I'm super intrigued by actually both of these. Aren't you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would really I would love, like love to know more, honestly. Yeah. Can you imagine like if something like this happened in the States? Um, you could go to the, you could go to a national park here in the States. You go to the beach here in the States and you get to write off that trip on your taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This reminds me. Fucking awesome. Yeah. This reminds me there's that rule in France that they put in place last year against emailing employees on the weekends with work related matters. More of all that, please. More of that. Yeah. Please like. As these, you know, you guys live with these new laws, like write in and let us know how they're going or if you find out more information, because I mean, I think we're very far away from seeing any of this implemented in the United States. But I would just be curious to know how it's going down and and whether or not you've actually seen a shift to somebody who lives over there. So, yeah. Uh, Marion, who also lives in California, wanted to bring up a zoning law. That also went into effect. So this one is SB9 in California, and it states that multifamily homes, two-unit projects, and lot splittings can now be built in places zoned for single-family homes, and also says that they're really excited to see what comes out of this in terms of addressing the housing crisis. Yeah, that's excellent news. Right. The prices of homes out there are insane, and this might help that. And of course, creating more housing. 100%. And then finally, we have a comment here from Michelle that I pulled that says, my smallish city has a lot of unusual laws for things you can't do near airports. They just put up a sign in all parks that says no kite flying over 75 feet. As if one, everyone knows what 75 feet is, <laughs> and two, kite flying is such a problem that they need to make a permanent sign for it. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that that was a really fun note to leave it on. And I guess if you are in Michelle's smallest city, don't fly a kite over 75 feet near airports. There's going to be a big market now for kites that only have a string that's 74 feet long, I predict. Mm. All right, we have one more sponsor this week, Scribd. They are back to sponsor this week's episode of Millennial, and they are a great way to pursue some of our New Year's resolutions because they make it easy to read and listen to books. We spend so much time scrolling through social media apps on our phone, but what if instead we spent that same time scrolling, reading a vast library of great content? With Scribd, you've got more than a great reading subscription. You've got a great resource for learning new skills. Maybe you want to learn how to meditate, level up your cooking game, or launch your career to new heights. Whatever your goals are, Scribd's library can help you achieve them. I love that Scribd has a wide array of content types, so it's a sort of one-stop shop for knowledge. Books, magazines, audiobooks, podcasts, sheet music, and more. When I'm using Scribd, I always start by looking at current New York Times bestsellers that are that are available for reading or listening to. 
Scribd always has quite a few, and they feature them. For example, many of us know the book Simon and the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. They have Becky's latest novel, Here's to Us, which is co-written by Adam Silvera. It's a new LGBT YA novel, and I'm going to start listening to that on Scribd soon because I love both of their work. Get instant access to Scribd's entire library for less than the cost of a single book. It could not be simpler. No complicated credits or additional purchases. Just one flat fee, $9.99 a month. Right now, Scribd is offering our listeners two months of Scribd for only $0.99. Cents. Go to try.scribd.com slash M-I-L-L to get your first two months for less than $1. That's try.scribd.com slash M-I-L-L. Two months for less than a dollar. Tons of content awaits you. So if you're looking to dive in, get more reading or listening to audiobooks done or tons of great magazines, check out Scribd. All right. Well, to wrap us up today, I thought we could talk about some uh, crazy in-flight entertainment stories. This is a holiday edition. And when I say in-flight entertainment, I'm not referring to the movies you can watch. I'm referring to the people who are on board. Um, So this story made waves on the internet. There's videos of it on TikTok. You can find an article about this situation pretty much with every major news outlet out there. Um, But there was a group of about 150 Canadians who chartered a flight from Montreal to Cancun for New Year's Eve. And they ended up having a literal rave on the airplane while they were in flight. I'm talking drinking, dancing, vaping, up out of their seats, raucous. No masks. No masks, of course. Um, You know, not abiding by, you know, the flight attendants trying to calm them down. The flight attendants eventually had to go and like hide from these people. Oh, my gosh. Um, They just had to kind of like cordon themselves off because they had completely lost control of um, of the cabin. So these these people get to Mexico. A lot of them get covid (laughs) and then they got stranded in Mexico because not only with the airline who took them down there, not take them back. They canceled the return flight. Several other airlines refused to take them home. <laughs> we don't want a part of that. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see the footage of this? I saw yeah. it like on the news, on the oh, actual wow. news. Yeah. Also on social media, but I was just surprised by the reach of the story. The I media know. is obsessed with anything to do with things happening on planes. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. fascinating. So true. <laughs> CNN was probably hoping the plane was going to crash so they could have like another like yeah. wall-to-wall coverage of a plane crash. I, I don't know why out of everything that these passengers did, like this was the thing that shocked me, but the most shocking was probably the the person that was crowd surfing <laughs> because that like so... how was there room for that? Yeah, right, right. You're just I know, like, that's the thing. Most of the people were like up standing in the rows, standing in the aisle. And I'm like, it it's what, eight feet from wall to wall of the inside of a plane? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to imagine myself and then also imagine Andrew, you and Pam, what we would do <laughs> if we found ourselves in that situation. <laughs> So I guess we would also have to consider that we know these people to some extent extent because this is a this is a chartered flight. So right. I 
you know, I'm kind of split on the outrage around this because on one hand, they were supposed to be wearing masks and they weren't. So shame on them for that. But everything else, like, I don't know. Nobody got hurt. Did the flight attendants tell them to take a seat? And they said no. Because if yeah. that's... The- Oh, they did? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they were trying people. to get the cabin under control, and it was not <laughs> Can happening. Can they, like, perform citizen's arrests on passengers? Don't they have that But the flight power? attendants are way outnumbered. I mean, I guess when that's it's like, true. A, you know, 150 of them, how are you going to yeah. get that under control? That's fair. Yeah. So I just like to think that if we chartered a flight with a bunch of our friends to go somewhere, <laughs> we would not hang out with the kind of people who would do this. Like, it's one thing to have a good time on a plane, but you can do that and not be unsafe about it and not be an idiot. Like, right. It's not a party I, bus. Yeah, exa- exactly, Pam. That's exactly my point. So, like, I have absolutely been on a plane with Andrew before where I had a couple cocktails at the airport bar I had a couple cocktails when I was on the plane and I was loving life. But you know what? My ass was in my chair and I wasn't disturbing anyone else. Yeah. You can still unwind and not be an asshole. Yeah. Sit there with your noise canceling headphones, watch something on your laptop or phone or iPad and just just enjoy some me time. That's what I love about being in the air. Some me time. So there was this other story that blew up on Reddit, and then I think this went viral too. So somebody was on a plane, and you know how when you're sitting in a row, you can see what people are doing in the row in front of you between each seat. And sometimes you can get a really good look at their phone because you're sitting at just the right angle to see somebody uh, in front of you and to the left or right. Well, this person took a photo of a passenger texting somebody, and they were texting somebody we have COVID. Shh. That's why we're on a flight home today. What would you do, you two, if you were on a flight and somebody in front of you is texting, we have COVID. Shh. Would you tell the flight attendant? I'm trying to think of what I would do. I think the right thing to do would be to covertly take that picture like this person did and then push the flight assistance button. <laughs> And have a flight attendant come over and very discreetly just like show them my phone and point to the person in the row in front of me. There is part of me that would be tempted to internet shame them, though, kind of like this person did. But I mean, why not both? Yeah, well, the thing is, if you tell the flight attendant... They're going to have to think about what to do in this situation, and they might turn the plane around. Let's say you're about to take off. They're going to, you know, they're going to have to go back to the gate, unseal the door, that whole process that that could set you back a good hour because there's probably paperwork that has to be done, too, for why the plane went back to the gate. Or if you're up in the air, like, I'd be very curious to know what the policy is of airlines if somehow it's, I don't know, somebody takes a COVID test on board and they're like, oh my God, I'm positive. Do they land the plane? Probably not. I guess that person would go, maybe this is what they would have to do. Tell that woman, hey, go sit in the bathroom for the rest of this flight and isolate. (laughs) Yeah, I have seen it before on a flight, not related to COVID, but just previously, like I remember one time, I was on a flight with a woman who was sick. She just had some kind of, you know, stomach 
upset nausea and she needed to be close to the bathroom and you know the flight attendants have their seats at the you know front and the back of the plane that are right near the bathroom so they actually traded seats with her the flight attendant took her seat and she took the flight attendant's seat so that she could be near the bathroom so i suppose they could do something like that but when you're in a pressurized tube Right. How much of a difference does it make? I I know that we've heard from listeners before that air circulation and and the the filtering on planes is actually pretty good. So perhaps isolating that person would be the right answer, but yeah, I don't I don't know what the flight crew should have done. I just know yeah. that I would have been really tempted to tell somebody whether it was the flight attendant or the internet or both. I would tell the internet for, for sure, especially <laughs> if I had this photo. And by the way, this person posted it to the trashy subreddit, which I'm just realizing now. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> I would. pretty trashy. I wouldn't tell a flight attendant or anybody because I don't want that. I don't want things to get delayed or anything. You know, what would you do, Pam? Well, the delay doesn't really. I, I wasn't even considering the delay. Um, I just. I'm wondering, like, I think that I would want to know how packed this flight is, first of all, because if they can't move this person, then I would be inclined to maybe not to say anything, which sounds really bad. But I just like, depending for on how long I have to be sitting behind them, like, I don't want to start a confrontation that would make me severely uncomfortable. Um, so I think that probably what I would do, because there's a lot of unknowns here, is I would like double mask up if I could and I would tell the people next to me to do the same thing and then I would tell the flight attendant probably after we landed because I just don't think that it's going to make that big of a difference if they play musical chairs with this person on a on a flight right right you know especially right now when flights are really packed but I would definitely tell somebody before after um, well, not before. I would tell, definitely tell somebody after, um, if not the flight attendant, then the people that are at the desk, right, as you disembark. Yeah. And I would make note of, like, the seat number because they have the passenger information for that. And I think that, like, for the safety of everybody else on board, everybody else has a right to know that they could have been, like, exposed to COVID because right. of this person's actions. That was well thought out. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not doing anything. Working overtime to think about how I can, you know, make sure that I am not in a confrontation, but also that everybody stays safe. Good ideas for sure. So essentially, if the three of us were on this flight, we would have been fighting about how to handle the situation. No, I, I definitely am so submissive. I would have just like let you go for it, Laura. <laughs> I would have just been like, oh, this is going to be such a good story for the show. Oh, my God. I would have oh gone God. full mom and I would have made sure that you two had like triple masks, assuming that we were all sitting in airplane rows, you know. Yeah. And then I would have let Laura just go tell the flight attendant <laughs> right away. <laughs> and I'd film the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And Andrew would be yeah. like, oh, can you believe that we're going to get delayed? It's all Laura's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, be careful up in the skies, everybody. 
We really appreciate everybody's support on Patreon. It allows us to raise funding that we then use to promote the show, which we've been doing in recent months. And we've got some new ideas for that coming up. And by supporting us on Patreon, you receive lots of benefits, including access to our live streams, our planning docs, our Discord, which is so much fun. We're always hanging out in the Discord while recording. And we're talking with people there, too. There's like a whole other podcast podcast practically happening in the Discord. It's really a fun time interacting with everybody in real time. And then, of course, we have our physical gift for Bay-level patrons. And we, of course, have After Dark, our flagship benefit. And After Dark is weekly, but then we also have a monthly benefit called the Millennial Variety Show, where we do some sort of game or analysis segment once a month. And this month, we're going to be doing... Now, I know this isn't the funnest idea, but we're going to be spending the January Variety Show talking about the insurrection anniversary. Yeah, so we we really wanted to dedicate some time to this, not only because it is the one year anniversary of the insurrection um, at the US Capitol, but also because there has been a January 6th commission where investigations have been happening. We haven't had a ton of time to talk about that on the show. We know that, you know, after the couple of years that folks have had living on this planet, Some topics can start to feel heavy after a while. We know that people hear about, you know, January 6th ad nauseum if you watch cable news. So what we wanted to do was dedicate a variety show to discussing all of the updates, all of the happenings related to January 6th and the subsequent um, investigations for anyone who's interested in hearing that analysis Um, But that way we wouldn't be bogging people down with it in the main show. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. It'll be out next week. It'll be um, information packed. We'll try also to have, you know, some fun here and there like we do on the show. You know, we do try to like find some lighthearted moments in these darker discussions. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking about it with y'all because we haven't really touched on it in a while. No. And I think another angle I want to look at it from is how the media treated the anniversary Mm -hmm. because you were seeing very different stories. And by the way, here's a feature, and this is new on our Patreon, that is very fun. This is new for 2022. It's called Geek Out. And throughout the year, each of the hosts will be either writing or recording a piece about something they're obsessed with. So whether it's Laura trying to figure out the latest Marvel twists, and by the way, she has a geek out in the works with uh, her bae, Mark. It's coming soon, all about Spider-Man No Way Home. Or it's Pam raving about a new album, or me geeking out out about a tech product, or maybe a new video game, whatever. It's going to be our space to just totally nerd out. And we don't care if you listen, because this is just our way to geek the heck out. We're just getting some stuff out off our chest, off our nerdy chests. So listen to it or not. See what I care. But I think our passion is really going to be coming through. And that's why you'll want to listen. I was waiting, Andrew, for you to be like, see if I care if you don't listen to my my segment. But please listen. (laughs) No, I'm trying to do like some reverse psychology (laughs) on people. Like, I don't care if you. Oh, he doesn't care if if I listen. Well, I will. Well, guess what? I'm going to listen and tell him how shitty it is. (laughs) So all these benefits and more at patreon.com slash millennial. Thanks, everybody who supports us. We couldn't do it without you. And now it's time for our recommendations. I want to recommend something I've been meaning to recommend for months. BBC World News. 
I get it through YouTube TV. I assume maybe uh, many cable companies give you access to it too. It's 24-hour live news, but it's not CNN, MSNBC, Fox. It's just straight-up news all day, every day, with a couple of minutes of analysis per major story, and then they move on. They're not focusing on anything for more than a couple minutes, and they're not fear-based. They're just giving you the news, and it's all in these delightful English accents. I enjoy watching on weeknights around 10 p.m. Over there, it's about 6 a.m. over in England. So I kind of like see the next day before going to bed. It's just comforting in some way. (laughs) So check out BBC World News if you haven't yet. If you're looking, I don't watch CNN, MSNBC anymore. I can't stand it. Nope. It's the same shit all the time. Well, something I wanted to recommend are sleep headphones. I discovered these over the break and I got myself a pair. They are essentially, if you can picture... An eye mask for when you sleep to cover your eyes, or if you can picture um, like a headband that you would wear when you're working out, it's that, except it has flat little headphones embedded in either side that go over your ears. So if you're a side sleeper like me, but you also like to be able to go to sleep with either some relaxing music or your favorite podcast, um, it's perfect for that. I always hate going to sleep with like AirPods in, for example, because since I'm a side sleeper, they dig into my ear and it's really uncomfortable. I got these for $20 on Amazon. Um, Do not buy them on TikTok. I saw them on TikTok. Same exact things. Double the price. Get them on Amazon. Damn you, TikTok influencers. Yep. I'm going to have to try these because I do the same thing, sleeping with AirPods, and then you turn to your side and your ear starts to hurt really bad. So yeah. I'll give this a shot. And I already made my recommendation, but to reiterate, start a book club with your friends if you're trying to read more this year. Sounds good. By the way, I need to make a correction. I said that I don't watch CNN anymore. That's not true. I do watch when they're talking about broke dick, but all other times I'm not watching CNN. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. Don't forget, we want your millennial make a commitments. You can find the link in today's show notes or on our social media channels. Also, speaking of social media, don't forget to follow us there. We are a millennial show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. 